Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We're doing more movies from 1993. On the action end, I have Rob with me. How you doing, Rob? Hey, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? All right. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know, <laughs> I chugged a bunch of coffee and fell asleep immediately on Rob as we were getting ready to record. <laughs> Whoops. So an hour later, I'm re-chugging the coffee. Maybe it has NyQuil in it. That's what it is. Yeah, since the NyQuil is everywhere nowadays. What is it, the cooking in chicken and NyQuil? Apparently this is the thing I just uh, discovered. Yeah, I have no fucking clue and I don't even want to know. It sounds gross. I don't care if it is giving you woozies. I don't know. Um, so we picked four, well he picked four action movies from 1993 and there's a lot we had to set aside because it's a big fucking year. Uh, we got Hard Target sitting aside, only the strong, excessive force. But we got some gems in here. Uh, what is the first one you want to start with? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so I guess that would be Demolition Man. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, I just watched this again for the. I mean, I've seen it like a million times, but I, I spent a couple years like away from it. I like it more every time I see it. I don't know how this is possible. It it gets better with time. Yeah, yeah. Demolition Man is just one of those all-time great banger classics. Um, just uh, just. Great sense of humor, great action, uh, great uh, chemistry between uh, the antagonistic uh, chemistry between Stallone and Snipes, as well as a uh, uh, great, uh, nice showcase for Sandra Bullock before uh, she would blow up with speed. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of good uh, smaller roles in here too. I think Benjamin Bratt has a, a fun time uh, being like a, a goofball. Rob Schneider, yeah, yeah uh, playing Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> who is uh, I can't remember uh, Glenn Shattuck that's it uh, from Beetlejuice I think he's a fucking riot in this yeah 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 he's great yeah he's great you know he's great in everything he's in you know what I'm saying but uh, he is he is great in here yeah it's if you haven't seen it it's it doesn't make a lot of sense people how we can go into it's 1993 fall of 93 and in 1996 we got a post-apocalyptic wasteland basically happening <laughs> and and then we have the freezing technology already within just a few years where they can freeze stallone's body for reasons i won't go into but uh then wake him up was it 2032 i think yeah 2032 and then the whole world has changed, and it's it's a big commentary on over uh, uh, PC, I guess, but not just PC, because they comment on this a little bit in Escape from LA, where it's just any sort of problem is eliminated. It does, it's not political. It's just you know no red meat, you know, and everything's Taco Bell, and no cussing, and no sex. Yeah, but uh, it, it, uh, it it's weird because it's like um, it's almost a. Uh, uh how you say um are we like they're, they're both the flip sides of each other escape from la and uh uh demolition man but one is very pc version one's very anarch version of uh just the the, the state the, the government controlling everything you do right just, right you know, developing into kind of fascist nature and i think i think um demolition man is probably the better of the two um, but also, we know now that there's reasons why Escape from L.A. didn't work as well, because when you cut $15 million from the budget the day you start filming, that kind of fucks you. Uh, <laughs> but 
I, people say that Stallone isn't funny. And look, I think Oscar's great. Uh, you can leave Rhinestone and don't tell... What is what is it called? Don't shoot... Stop, stop or my mom will shoot. Yeah, I don't really care for those. I know they have their cult following, but I do think he can be funny, and I think it really works for him here because he's dry instead of being kind of in-your-face funny. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely the thing. Although I, will, I definitely disagree with you on Oscar. I hate that movie. Oh, um, I like that one a lot. But, I like screwball comedies. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the problem with Stallone is when he, he tries to be funny. Like, when, when he's definitely, like, you know, doing that kind of, like, overly comedic performance. It, it just doesn't work for me. When he's just, like, the, the straight man to it all is, is when he, he, he excels with his comedic nature. Yeah. Because and- Stallone is a funny guy. Like, you know, like, I mean, you look at the, the his Rocky series, you know, which he, he wrote all the... The Rockies, they're, especially the original Rocky. The original Rocky is like one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I die laughing throughout that entire thing, even though it's mostly considered sports drama. It's it's incredibly funny movie. So Stallone is, is a really funny guy. But like, yeah, when he's like the straight man, like to, to like the comedic things around him, is I think is where he really excels. Like that scene where they're in the car and uh, the, the, the Oscar Mayer hot dog song comes on. And, and Sandra Bullock and Benjamin Brown are sit, uh, singing along, and he's just in the background, just looking at them like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's like one of the it's one of the funniest scenes in the movie to me. Like just the way he's just staring at them, like, "Are they serious?" Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> when he's eating when he's eating the rat burger and he's slowly getting the explanation, and he just stops for a second, and he's like, "Yeah, pretty good." <laughs> just like that little stuff works for him. Like, like yeah, like when he's just like this. This is a rat burger, and he's just like. Like in the very next shot, he finishes eating the burger anyway. <laughs> and and I, of course, this is just a phenomenal showcase for Wesley Snipes. I mean, he is absolutely on fire. He's uh, for everything that's kind of restrained on Stallone. Uh, Wesley Snipes is like that juxtaposition, uh, just going really big. My favorite. I say I see this line all the time. Set your ass on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um. Yeah, it's it's a really fun movie. The action is phenomenal. It, I feel like someone. I don't understand how it is that Marco Brambilia. I'm I'm probably saying his name wrong. Only directed one other movie after this because it's so well put together. Now, is this a movie that was put together in editing and it's Stuart Baird that saved it? Was there another director that stepped in? Uh, if it's not, then I have no explanation as how to how he never directed anything other than Excess Baggage because especially in the first 15 minutes, it's so well filmed, it's so well put together. I mean, it's just go, 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 go. And it kind of, I think it, it's, it's a step up in the language of action movies at that time. I mean, I hadn't seen a movie that kind of changed the visual language like this since the first Die Hard. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, it was probably Baird. Um, uh, Bayard was known to be like uh, the savior of a lot of movies, you know, where uh, especially with Warner Brothers, where they felt like a film wasn't working, and they bring in Bayard, and you know, he'd work his magic, and and it would save a movie. He did it with Tango and Cash. He did it um, quite a few movies, um, and like he was just coming in. So it, he he probably it's credit to him that uh, it works as well as it does because he was a master uh, editor. Um, he seemed to be kind of 
good director too until he did Star Trek Nemesis, and then it was like, oh, just go away. Yeah, it's that, that's kind of a bummer. I kind of liked the movie. I don't think it's great, but I do think it's strange that that kind of stopped everything for him because U.S. Marshals and um, what's the one? decision? Thank you. Um, I think we're very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, especially Executive Decision uh, is, is incredibly well put together, like suspense thriller. Um, and and I, I am a uh, a fan of uh, U.S. Marshals, but. Um, that Star Trek Nemesis was, uh, and uh, you know, I, also it, I'm, I'm I'm especially hateful of it because you know me being a big Star Trek fan, so it's just like, oh dude, what have you done? Go away. But but is that him in his direction or in the story that was already preset for him? Yeah, yeah well, um, it, it, it's 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 a combination because the story wasn't great, and also um, he had no respect for the for the Star Trek lore franchise um the, the main cast to this day complain about like how little of a shit he gave about star trek and they oh. were just like oh like this, this, this is not the way he was like i don't give a shit i, I just want to make the movie oh, that's fucking insulting i didn't know that um well i guess I, I don't know if you ever went back to editing but uh he does if he made this movie you know what it is uh kudos to him i love the comic book vibes of it without it actually being based on a comic book i think kids Today, when they're complaining about how things had to be so accurate, and then we got like 1,200 comic book events a year. I mean, back then, what did we have in 1993? We had Meteor Man and Demolition Man, two comic book style movies that were not even based on comic books. That's what we had, and that was it, and we're good. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, um, I, I, I could definitely see that, you know, the, the comic book style thing to everything, you know. Um... Yeah, Meteor Man, uh, you just took me back with that one. Fucking Meteor Man. Uh, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree with him. Alright, so our next film, I guess, is Dragon the Bruce Lee Story? Yes. Um, I know that there were some complaints at the time about they did the, uh, a lot of the action sequences were kind of fantasy. Like, they never really happened. And I think that was the point they were trying to make, wasn't it? Is that he's become such a mythological legend. And there were so many movies before that during the whole Bruce Lee exploitation time where they just kept building and building and building upon his myth in films that this was kind of an homage to that. Yeah, most definitely. I definitely agree with that one. I remember when this one came out, I was just amazed. Because, you know, I was just getting into Bruce Lee at that time. You know, I just discovered his films not too long before that like uh my father showed me the chinese connection uh aka fist of fury and i was just completely blown away and then like you know I trickle down to uh enter the dragon way of the dragon uh fist of fury uh the big boss um so like i was really excited for when dragon and bruce lee story came out and i was just like when i saw it i was like wow he he had such an, an incredible life like all this stuff happened then like you know when you dig deeper you realize this movie is inaccurate as fuck yeah <laughs> like, like none of that shit really like i mean like the truthful things you could say is that uh they, there was a man named bruce lee who was a, like you know this incredible martial artist uh he had a wife named linda two kids named brandon and shannon he made a couple movies and then he died, and then that's it. That's the only thing that this movie gets right. Everything else is is is, is completely made up. But uh, then, like, yeah, I, I realized later on that uh, on a, a rewatch um, years ago that 
that they weren't essentially essentially trying to make uh, a, a real accurate uh, biography, but more like play, pay homage to Bruce Lee and his films. It was more like a Bruce Lee tribute movie, but just using his life story as like a, a guideline for like how to, to portray the story. And it's like, yeah, it, it, it works in that regard. But um, the fight sequences too are like not even like Bruce Lee style stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, also Jason Scott Lee doesn't look. Um, I mean, he doesn't even have the same build. He's much bigger than Bruce. Oh yeah, very, very incredibly bigger, like almost a foot taller and wider. Um, but uh, he he gets the mannerisms down pat. Like, uh, I, I to this day I still think he's probably the, out of all the people who have played Bruce Lee or done Bruce Lee impressions, he's probably the one who who nails him the best out of everybody yeah i mean uh, and let's not take away from his acting skills though i think he does a very good job of bringing a lot of uh empathy to his plight that he was going through because we have all the action sequences but with the parts that i remember the most are actually the smaller stuff you know about um i think the most memorable part for me is when he's in a movie theater with his girlfriend lauren holly um, and is watching uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and then that god awful, insane performance by Mickey Rooney, and how everybody's yes. laughing their ass off, and it fucking cuts him deep. That's the most memorable part of the movie for me. Yeah, like you know, everybody's laughing, like ha ha, and then she turns over, looking at him, and he's just like completely, just like oh, you know, disgusted, like highly offended, and then she realized, oh shit. You know, like, I, you know, I didn't realize this. And then it was just like, let's get out of here. And he's like, okay. You know, like, yeah, that is a, a really great scene. Also, uh, um, love, love moments like um, when uh, he has his argument with her after he has uh, his, um, his, his back broken in the fight. And, and, like, you know, he's just like, you know, get out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, moments like that is where he really excels. You know what I'm saying? Like, which just shows that he was just a—he still is a phenomenal uh, dramatic actor, you know. That we just unfortunately never really got to see him like showcase that stuff, and you know, I mean, he still makes movies, but it's like we never seen him like get the chance to like do something like that again, mm-hmm. like you know, really just just go all out dramatically, and it's like it's, just, it's such a shame. Yeah, I think because before this, I knew him from some comedy stuff just a little bit because I knew he was in Bored in East LA and one of the, I think Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. Look, I was a teenager. I don't know why I watched it. I just did. (laughs) Um, But then this is kind of like his big dramatic breakthrough. But I feel like, yeah, they kind of tossed him away almost immediately because he did what? Jungle Book? Rapa Nui? And then I have no idea what after that. Maybe Soldier Somewhere a few years after that? Yeah, like uh, he did... uh to the Berlin decision. Oh, uh, right, yeah. He was in the... Yeah, he, like, he played the, the, the villain in Soldier. Uh, I mean, most recently, he was the villain in uh, the, the Mulan uh, live-action uh, version. And it's just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's really just a disservice to the, the greatness that is Jason Scott Lee. Yeah, I think... I think and obviously I don't know him or we never discussed this with anybody who knew him but I feel like he was probably trying to go for roles where he wasn't playing Asian he was just playing a normal dude who happened to be Asian and the studios just didn't know what to do with him I always wonder if Brandon Lee hadn't died where his career would have gone and I think he probably would have tried the same 
direction, not picking roles where the race wasn't important, and then you know, you know, bringing what he could to it instead of being oh, like we was a Van Dam where he always has to be from like New Orleans or Quebec or something like that. Um, where that's a big uh, decision in the character, and I, I don't know if that would work for Brandon either. Yeah, see, the thing is, I think they, they share, uh, which is weird, too, because, you know, uh, the son of Bruce Lee and the man playing his father, but I think they also share, like, same some of the um, career goals where uh, well, Brandon, you know, obviously he, he made his mark and with uh, martial arts movies, but he didn't want to necessarily be tagged down as a martial arts actor. Like he was much more into acting. Period. Not just making martial like martial arts movies is what got him known. But there, there is that sense that he would have gradually uh, shifted out of martial arts movies. Uh, you know, given you know how his career would have went. You know, um, the Crow was a big uh, example of that. You know, because he th- doesn't even really do any martial arts. That was more like a great dramatic performance, and I think that that was the the, the thing with Jason Scott Lee was just that he he you know got this big break in Dragon the Bruce Lee story, and I, I feel like Hollywood was like, oh well, you got to do this kind of movie and that kind of movie, like you know, since you know you play Bruce Lee, now you have to do all these martial choice movies. It's like, no, but I'm a dramatic actor. I don't want to sit there and just be like you know just because I'm Asian and I played a, an Asian martial artist, I don't want to be tied down doing just martial arts movies and then Hollywood was like well, if you don't want to do that fuck you yeah you know? I, that's why I feel like a lot happened to a lot of actors uh, and it's kind of a shame I think things have changed now but like this is 30 years ago and yeah. you know, it was a whole different method of uh, Hollywood thinking back then uh, back then you could only be a horror actor whereas now they let you do everything you remember that when you just be like oh I was in a hit horror movie well guess what you're only getting more horror movies huh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Stallone has uh, uh, um, talked about that a bit, you know, where, like, he started out as a dramatic actor, and then he graduated to doing action movies, and they said that once he started doing action movies, he kind of had to keep doing action movies, you didn't have it back then, when he was, act- like, you know, in his heyday, where, you know, like, you see actors now, they'll do an action movie, and then they'll turn around and do a, dr- a dramatic movie, like a drama, or a comedy, if he was like, you know, if you started doing, the, like, uh, like action or horror, you were stuck doing that, you know, because that's who you were. You were action guys. So he just continued to do action movies, even though he wanted to do more drama. Uh, but, like, you know, it was just, uh, his fate was sealed because of that. Yeah, it's just a shame. Um, I still think it's a pretty good movie. I think people kind of have tossed it aside because there's been other Bruce Lee uh, adaptations. There was that TV show where, like eight years ago that was pretty good. And wasn't there a movie in theaters just like five years ago? Uh, oh, you're talking about the birth of the dragon. Thank you. Um, so this kind of overshadowed it, but you know, at the time, I don't think people remember is that Dragon was a decent sized hit. It was fifty million dollars and kind of launched. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know until recently that the director was a piece of shit because uh, I kind of wondered what happened to him. But he was kind of on a streak there where he was having a lot of really good movies. But you know, fuck them. Keep movies yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's our next yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck that guy seriously. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, most definitely. Uh, next movie we're going with is Nemesis. Oh man. Okay. So I'm not 100% on the Albert Pune boat. Um, I pick and choose. There's some in there. I love Radioactive Dreams, and he usually falls into two camps with his movies. It's usually like. 
martial arts movies or cyborg movies and this is like the perfect combination of both and i think people forget this was in theaters not a lot of screens but i remember this made a little bit of money and it launched a franchise that i wish had you know gone up instead of like i think what was it part four was just cobbled together footage left over from the previous films it's not the note that i thought i saw the series going out on you know no, I think you think of part three. Part four is the real, like, almost delves into, like, uh, art house surrealism kind of thing. Where, Because uh, uh, in, in two, three, and four, uh, they switch uh, from Alex Rain, Olivia Grenier's uh, character, to um, Sue Price, where, where she plays a character named Alex, but she's not necessarily the same Alex from this movie. And, uh, like, it's post-apocalyptic, it's in a desert wasteland, which Albert uh, Bean excelled in. And then uh, three was, like, basically uh, cobbled together from leftover footage from two. And four is just, like, almost, like, just art house. It's, like, David Lynch-style shit, which was Albert Pugh's thing. Like, he was really, like, kind of, like, one of those directors who was into doing, like, art house kind of stuff. But he was just pegged as a low-budget direct-to-video guy. So he just got stuck doing the shitload of those. Yeah. But, like, yeah, Pugh is one of my all-time favorite directors. I love that man. Uh, it just really just made just some incredible movies that you know people will look at it as one way, but like you know, guys like me, you, and like a lot of the uh, of, of our friends and shit was just like, nah, you don't see the beauty in all this. You know, I definitely see the beauty in Pune, and um, this was kind of like his uh, like real showcase to show like what he could do with a nice sizable budget, you know, and a good story mm-hmm. and like a, a good cast and you know. And, like, he just excelled it to, like, you know, because, like, yeah, you have the cyborg stuff and uh, kind of, like, future stuff, which he excelled at. But, like, there's also, like, a real deep story about, like, what is what does it mean to be a human, like, even when you're more machine than man. Uh, uh, I think Olivia Grunet has never been better as, a, as, as an actor. Uh, he's surrounded by a fantastic cast, you know, Tim Thomerson, Brian James, Deborah Shelton, uh, Carrie Tagawa. Uh, just, just like an immense cast, and like, and it's also he's incorporating like also like a John Woo style action with a dual, a lot of dual wielding in there. So it's just like it's a perfect amalgamation of everything you love, like from the nineties, you know, cyborg stuff, martial arts, post apocalyptic stuff, stop motion action, love yeah, that stop motion stop animation, motion, so yeah. good. And yeah, it, 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 just, just great shit. Yeah, it's it's. It's a neo-noir film that has great action sequences, but be prepared. There are some, you know, it's it's maybe the closest thing to a sequel to Blade Runner until, of course, obviously decades later with the real sequel because it has it, more action, obviously, but it has that kind of ambiguity, slower burn with the characters. What is it? More human than human is, you know, the thing that they were trying to get across in Blade Runner and the same thing with Nemesis. Um, and a lot of people look down on the movie because it is... It's imperial, bleh, it's low budget, bleh. Who are all these people? They're either has-beens or nobodies, you know what I mean? And I think that is a shame because it is much better than a lot of the apocalyptic movies. And I love my apocalyptic rip-off movies. And this is top tier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember, uh, like, not, not too long ago, I asked a question on um, Twitter regarding, like, what's the best, uh, like, uh, like you know because we were talking about drive and i was like you know we all know drive is 
all of the TV action. But like, what 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 are the movies that come closest to rising to that? And uh, I, I would agree that Nemesis is, is is up there, like in that like top five thing, because it is just an incredible movie, not just for action, but just all around. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think about that ending a lot, where um, you know, because he uh, it's it's about uh, him. Uh, I mean, it's not only just like kind of like Blade Runner, Cyborg, Terminator kind of thing, but also like Escape from New York, where if he doesn't do the mission, he's going to die. And he only has a little bit amount of time to do it, you know. And he he's got to save um, what was it the, the the mainframe of his ex, uh, um, Jared. It's uh, like you know Jared's body's dead, but her mind's still alive. But like when he gets her to the designated spot, they have to download her information, and then she'll be completely dead. And then like he starts crying. And, and, and it's just like you know she's like are you crying and like you see him like you know he's he's trying to hide it but he's crying and she was like you see Alex you can care he's like get me the hell out of here like like that, that's such a nice somber moment to see like you know you wouldn't expect to see a scene like that in a movie like this yeah well and, I, I, and, and it works beautifully I don't it might be blasphemy but when it comes to the internal discussion of what 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 left of me is human what does it really mean to be human the the discussion here in nemesis is almost stronger than the one they have in robocop mm. Mm. I, I don't know i gotta think about that one yeah i don't i feel like i see what you're saying but i gotta think about that one. yeah i feel like they bounce around it a little bit and they're more interested in other things in in robocop and i think nemesis really ponders it um but yeah it's kind of a shame that uh how do you say his last name grunier uh, never really had another big hit like this. I like Automatic. I like The Fighter. Uh, Mercenary is great, the one that he did with John Ritter. And then it just kind of got you know lower and lower with him. Like when he signed with UFO, that was like his last gasp of like, oh, this isn't bad. Uh, and then he, he still chugs along now, but he kind of produces his own movies. And they just don't have the same kind of thing going. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, the 90s were the heydays for a lot of guys, you know, so once they left the 90s, it kind of just was like, you know, eh. Well, I feel like 93... A lot of them were just incredibly talented. Yeah, 93 was that last year where they were trying to discover new guys to put theatrical films because Mark Cascos came out with Only the Strong, Excessive Force with Thomas Ian Griffith, and... um, and with Nemesis, and neither, you know, none of the movies were successful, and they just kind of like, well, I guess they're directed video now. Let's not start any new thing. And then all of a sudden, like, what, three years later, we got Jackie Chan. And they're like, okay, now we just import older movies, and that's how we'll get our low budget, you know, uh, catalog filled. Yeah, like, and, you know, I, I said this a lot, where it's like Jackie Chan was the death nail for those kind of guys because it's like, when we see, like, because Rumble in the Bronx was the discovery for a lot of us. Uh, who Jackie Chan is? There they were people who knew him before that, like my dad, uh, who had seen Jackie Chan movies before. So he he he, you know, wasn't surprised, but I was, and I was like, holy shit! I had never seen action and martial arts done like that, and that just kind of like made everybody else, like like uh, Grenier and like Van Damme, and Speakman, or look like fucking obsolete uh, uh, people, like in in you know. In that, in that wavelength, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. everybody just was obsolete, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you guys are just small potatoes next to Jackie Chan. And then after that, it was Jet Li and then Don Yen and all that stuff. And so it's like, yeah, we don't, 
you know what I'm saying? A lot of people were like, yeah, we, we're not into you guys anymore. We want to see these guys over here and shit. And then it was just like, you know, and then it all just came crashing down after that. Yeah. Uh, what is, are we on our fourth film now? Yeah. Yes. What is our, what is our fourth film? I forgot. <laughs> it is Sniper. Sniper! One shot, one kill. The franchise that will never end. <laughs> I'm shocked it still goes. Yeah. I'm truly shocked. Yeah, like the, um, I would say maybe last week, two weekends ago, I bought the, the ninth uh, entry in the series. That's amazing. There are nine, there are nine sniper movies now. <laughs> I truly believe now, I'm, I'm guessing that Billy Zane and Tom Berenger are going to be out of the franchise. They probably cost a little bit too much. Plus, come on, Berenger's got to be, what, 75 by now? I don't know. He was, in the previous, he was in the previous one, Assassin's End. I don't uh, know. You know I mean, this, this is like the first, um, the, this, this new one of Rogue uh, Mission, I believe it's, uh, uh, or Rogue Assassin, Rogue, something Rogue, Rogue something. Um, and that's a shame because I have it, and uh, I, I still don't know what the fucking full title is, but um, <laughs> this is the first one where, where neither of them are in it, where it's just uh, Chad Michael Collins uh, who plays Brandon Beckett, the son of uh, uh, Andrew Beckett, uh, uh, Tom Berenger's uh, character from this film. Yeah, it's it's basically. I think it's the American debut of Luis Loza. He was doing some. Yeah. He was doing films for uh, Roger Corman. I think before that, they were just he, they were shot there, produced there, and whatever. And Corman would just pick up the video rights. This is the first time when he's like, "Oh, well, let me just go straight to a studio." Columbia ponied up only six million dollars. And you see every cent on the screen. He really knew how to, you know, utilize a tight budget and just made it fucking entertaining. I've seen this movie so many times. And is this the first time that we ever saw the flying bullet? Um, no. Uh, what is it? Uh, I believe it was in Kill or Kill Again with uh, James Ryan, the South African martial arts uh, uh, action film, where they, the first time that we saw, like, bullet time. I'm in the film. Really? Uh, what year is that yeah, from? Um, that seems like it's way... Isn't that like a decade before or more? Yes. Yes, it was. Wow. I gotta see this then. I, I've never seen this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either... Because there's two. There's Kill or Be Killed or Kill or Kill Again. I believe it's Kill or Kill Again uh, where we get the introduction to bullet time. Um, but like, yeah, this is one of the, 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 the ones to introduce us to it. Uh, there are... Uh, what is it? Um, an American audience because not a lot of people had seen Kill Kill again those movies but uh, yeah this was uh, this was my introduction like I, I don't think I'd ever seen uh, it done uh, before this the, the, the sniper yeah it feels like just the way it was this year with Fugitive you know with the big jump off the cliff or no no it was actually the year before it wasn't with Last of the Mohicans is the first time they do one of those giant cliff jumps it, yeah. it set a trend. All of a sudden, like, Posse had the bullets and Shadow, and it just seemed like it was one of those trend-setting things that you would see for, like, the next decade. But no, wait a minute. Didn't Stallone do a cliff jump in uh, First Blood? You're right. You win. I'm sorry. That was way before all that. For some reason, though, I felt like it was right around that time, though, was when everybody started doing cliff jumps. You know, like, there was Gunmen, Fugitive, stuff like that. And uh, it was just showing off a huge jump. Like, they changed the technology, and we can accomplish this now. Yeah, 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 most definitely. But yeah, um, this was definitely the first time I had ever seen something like that done with bullets. Yeah, but besides the gimmick, uh, visual gimmick they sold in the trailer, this is actually a really deep 
psychological, you know, teaching. I, I love movies that get into like the details. And there's not a lot of action. A lot of it is just him teaching Billy Zane how to survive in this environment. And I am fascinated by that shit. I, I, the guy who wrote this, it, wasn't he actually in the military? I'm trying to remember. I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, and I just I love it when you get that. Oh, we didn't just make this up. We knew how this actually happens. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Like my uncle was in the military, and he was uh, he was telling me like uh, what uh, what was true about it, what was not, and um, like where they have to sleep in like uh, the swamp and shit. Like, oh, be careful and shit because you have something that crawl up in your dick. Do it. And like, yeah, that's, like, yeah, that's true. That's true. Like shit like that will happen if you're not careful. <laughs> And uh, like the, the the scene where like he's trying to um, uh, camouflage himself under the grass, and he he rubs himself in dog shit to throw off the scent. Uh, he was like, "Yeah, I've had to do that." You know what I'm saying? And it's like, "Wow, that's that's fucking crazy." And then we're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." It's definitely like you know, there's some authenticity to it. You know, according to my own. Let me so, ask you this: the scene where he gets down. Well, uh, Tom Berger's character has a thing where he gets down in a weird angle with one leg straight out to position himself and shoots with uh, the the pistol. Is that a real thing, or was that made up for the movie? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like, uh, Uncle was like that. Hey, you know, uh, you know, everybody's different. You know, what I'm saying when it, it, he's he's I, I don't, he never seen it, but um, he's pretty sure that there's uh, people out there who just you know need uh, like a, a way to just get comfortable to, to shoot you know what I'm it's like everybody's different so it's like <laughs> he's just like hey I've never seen it but I don't doubt motherfuckers do that shit I was gonna say cause I tried doing that once and I fell right over <laughs> yeah yeah most definitely oh I didn't know this that the guy who wrote this ended up writing one of our favorites that will come up in a couple seasons is Cutthroat Island why did it have to bomb? We could have had so many other Cutthroat Island movies. That is true. That is true. I, I am a, a rigorous defender of Cutthroat Island. Uh, yeah. There's really not much to say about Sniper. It is a very straightforward film. Excellent performances by Billy Zane and Tom Berenger. And uh, um, I can't imagine. It must have been a brutal shoot, though, in the, the yeah. roasting-ass jungle. Woof. Yeah, 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 most definitely. Uh, you know, jungle shoots are always rough, uh, as, as, as far as I can tell, like reading um, stories like the making of movies where it take place in the jungle and shit. So uh, I'm, I'm not at all surprised if this wasn't a hard shoot. But yeah, like, no, I uh, I, I, I definitely have always been a big fan of, of Sniper. I mean, obviously, because I've been keeping up with the series to the, to the point where I'm buying part nine. Yeah, you know, I was just like, hey, like uh, I haven't given up on it yet. So, but like, yeah, I've I've always been a big fan of it. Uh, I mean, I've always liked Tom Berenger as an actor and Billy Zane. Billy Zane's always been one of my favorite actors. Um, I, I like I like you talk about the the way they try to get into like the psychology of it all, where um, Tom Berenger's character they feel has become a liability, and this is basically because. Uh, he has like almost like a sort of like um what's what's the term I'm PTSD like, you know what like he's become dismissive of basically life itself you know what I'm saying he's just like I don't care you know and it kind of puts his uh, spotters in a danger like you know an opening scene his his newest spotter is fucking murdered uh by by this uh, rogue sniper that's basically like 
chasing after Barringer's character. And, you know, even though there's this uh, main plot, there's this subplot where Barringer's character and this rogue sniper are basically uh, playing cat and mouse with each other. And uh, I thought that was cool, but, like, I liked how they kind of have this, uh, with him and Zane's character, where they have, like, this uh, thing where it's like, you know, you're like, you're going crazy, and it's like, he's not. And then, like, Zane's the one who has essentially kind of goes crazy. And it was just like, uh, in a way, where it comes to the point where it's like, you know, when you kill somebody, it hurts, doesn't it? He said, that ain't the worst pain. The worst pain when it doesn't hurt anymore. And then it's like, ah, oh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, when you become numb to it all and shit, it's like worse than anything else, but it's just like, you know, death is whatever. And I, I really like that. Like, you know, it, it took balls to view that into, to, you know, what was essentially, you know, big, you know, well, mid-budget uh, uh, studio-funded action film at that time, you know? Yeah, well, I felt like, yeah, and I also felt like we were also coming out of the era of either your military movie was either a historical Vietnam film or it was like, you know, a, a dream, you know, of what we wanted to happen with like Rambo 2 and stuff like that. And this is a more, like, realistic, contained... Like, this isn't fantasy. This is, as much as they could present it, the reality of what it's like to be someone who's hired and <laughs> recruited to kill and, and dealing with the repercussions. Yeah, 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 most definitely. You know, and then it's like when... You know, like, you, you have, like, movies like uh, that came later, like The Hurt Locker, where it's basically like... Um, and adrenaline and rush, you know what I'm saying? He, like, he does it because, you know, he lives for it, and, you know, he, he, he can't accept anything else, you know? This is his thing, whereas, like, uh, um, correlated with uh, Tom Berenger's character, where it's just, like, and he's not excited about it, but he's not horrified about it. It's just way of life for him. Right. You know, and it's just, and it's just like, you know, what else am I going to do? But it's just basically gotten to the point where it's just, like, it is what it is, you know. I'm just. This is what I'm. This is what I do. This is what I'm good at. And what else am I gonna do? But it's just like whatever, you know. Like that. With every. It, it's just. He's just cold to it all, you know. He's just numb to everything. And I think that's like very a lot more interesting than uh, the, the 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 way they portrayed it in the Hurt Locker, where it's just like, yeah, let's fucking let's do this. Let's let's be, you know. I mean, I mean, that's not the point, uh, you know. It's, it's, it's supposed to be looked at as a crazy thing in a Hurt Locker, but I, I like it much the way it's portrayed in Sniper a lot more than it's portrayed in that. Yeah, the uh, this you said there's nine Sniper movies. If you do not see the names Chad Michael, was it Collins? Right? Yeah, Chad Michael Collins. Chad Michael Collins or Tom Berenger involved, it's probably a ripoff movie because these do make some direct-to-video bank or, or Sony won't keep making them but I've seen a few like there's one with Van, uh, not Rob it's Rob Van Dam, not Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal it's not part of the franchise don't don't fall in that trap <laughs> yeah 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 there, there's quite a few there was one um, that just got released recently called uh, I believe excuse me uh, Sniper the White Raven which is not uh, not part of the series at all um I'm uh, even though I see a uh, uh, few people when the trailer was released, like they made another sniper. I was like, no, this is a different sniper. There's another sniper coming out, but this is completely not related to the sniper series. You know, don't get it confused. They love putting out the movies named Sniper and shit. And it's like, obviously, the sniper series is like, it, it does get uh, pulled bank for, for Sony and shit because uh, everybody just keeps naming their movie Sniper, 
even though like you know they know it's not in any way related to the main sniper series. Yeah. So it's like it's, it's a fucking crapshoot. All right. So those are our four films. Rob, where can we catch you online? Uh, of course, uh, you can find me uh, at the Cine Junkie on Twitter, as well as the official Twitter for my podcast. You could have been a Bloodfist movie at Bloodfist Pod. Um, I'm between seasons right now because I've decided that being that there are eight Bloodfist movies, I would do uh, eight season episode, or like eight episode seasons. Um, so it's like I've already done eight for the first season, so I'm taking a little break before I get into uh, next season's eight. Uh, I felt like that's a, a way to, for me to avoid uh, getting burnt out so quickly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because uh, you know, burnout is a motherfucker, especially when you're doing these kind of things. So it's like, yeah, that's good. I feel like that'll help me a lot. But like, yeah, uh, I'm between seasons right now, but uh, I'm gonna be back uh, very shortly with the next season. It's gonna be really exciting. So uh, check that out. And speaking of exactly what he's talking about, 1994 is the next season, and then I'm taking a very long break. Uh, I have not taken a break in nine years, and uh, frankly, uh, it's time. I am I am burnt out, um, but I need yeah, to, yeah. yeah. So yeah, 94, take, take, take a break. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm a big proponent. Take the fucking break. You know what I'm saying? Man, no one's gonna hold it against you. I've talked to so many other podcasters where it's just like, oh yeah, man, I'm burnt out. I'm like. Take a break. Yeah, Take it's a, like oh, the, the, I don't know. It's like people. I've encountered so many people where like they feel like they have to keep going. Where it's like you know, if they miss a step, and I'm like, who fucking cares, man? Take that break. You know, right. your mental health is more important than anything else. Well, Take we're a break. we're almost to our fifth hundred five hundredth episode now, mind you. It's actually like 750 episodes, but when I changed my host, I ended up combining some episodes to make less content. I had to transfer over, but. Um, also, Jacob, my regular co-host, every year we do this thing, and he's always trying to fit in episodes. He works for a wine distributor, and the last quarter is insane for him. So we're going to pack in the 94 season as, as quickly as possible for him, and then I'm just going to watch movies just to watch movies. You know the last time I watched a new series or a new movie? Because I'm always watching the old stuff for the show. Oh yeah, like I'm. Uh, yeah, that that is the most glorious thing. I was just talking to my um my uh my friend Candy from uh, the House of Screams, and she's she's suffering burnout. And like we were just talking about that, and she was just like, oh, like you know, to get to you know just watch movies. And I'm like, isn't it beautiful? But it's like you know, you don't have to watch a movie for homework or the purpose of a discussion. You know, like you know, to, to try to come up with points. You just watch them and just enjoy them and just chill. And that's just it's it's fucking glorious. So that's why I like yeah. I'm all for taking the break, so like, just take the break, dude. Yeah. All right, so that is it. You know where to find us by now. Uh, And that is it. Have a good night.